morning. Good to see everyone here, as usual. Half our congregation's out, and Josh taking his family on vacation. Be in prayer for them for safe travels and some much needed rest. Uh, I thought about taking a break from First John. Sometimes I do when Josh is out of town, so I can get away with it. But uh, I figured we got to finish it eventually. And he, uh, what he went over last week with uh, uh, Satan and demons and whatnot, and then uh, Wednesday he went over uh, something similar with with, uh, with all. And this is this our next section of First John really just played right into that with discernment. So I figured, well, why not? Um, we've been working our way through this. It's, it's really become, I mean, the Gospel of John was my favorite book up until now, and then now I've got like another favorite. It's like those people that have like five best friends. You know? <laughs> my bestie. But, you know, that's those, those women that. Or guys, I guess, maybe say that one I don't get in trouble here. But, you know, I got a couple of favorite books of the Bible now. Uh, um, last week, Josh asked me uh, why I stopped where I did in First John in chapter 3. And it's kind of, I stopped there because we went through all the love verses and ending it at verse 23. And I think this, this chapter 3 is what really made me so fond of, of 1 John. It, it really drives home the, the love that God has for, for us as children and, and what had to take place because He is a holy God and He is a just God. And, and, and what had to, to to, to take place to accomplish our salvation because God is holy and God is just and behold what manner of love that the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God and then the sacrifice of Christ and then the, the giving of the Holy Spirit and the giving of the Holy Spirit is down in verse 24 and John kind of repeats himself um, throughout this, this epistle and each time he, he goes through a, a point, he, he kind of goes a little further with it. And it really drives that point further home. And it just, it kind of, it's like a lecture. And then a lecture on top of that lecture. And you really, really start to see the, the, the character of God opened up and you, you appreciate that so much more. And I just, it's like my favorite book. What else can I say? So this, this is going to be a little bit about discernment and the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's, there's no in-between. The, I'm not going to get on a truth rant right now because you know, you know how I feel about truth. Um, and, and John goes into this here. And Christ is the epitome of truth. God's Word is the epitome of what is true. There can be no other truth apart from starting here. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of God is all the knowledge you'll ever need is science. The word science literally means to know or have knowledge if you break it down. 
And God is omniscient, omniscient, all knowledge. Right? So this is the spirit of truth, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of science. There's no getting around it. God's word is true. We're going to jump in. Chapter 3, verse 24, and we're going to go over to chapter 4, down to verse 6, and I'll, I'll read that if you're able to stand. We give honor to God's word. We'll read it together. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already in the world. You are of God, little children. You have overcome them because he is who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the one that inspired this word, this text. Right now I just ask that that same spirit illuminate to our hearts. Let us meditate on that truth and let us carry it forth. Let it be manifest in all that we say and do. Lord, we love you. We praise your holy name and all that children say. Amen. Verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know he abides in us in the spirit that he has given us. The ones that keep his commandments abide in him and in his truth. This desire to keep the commandments is a, pro- a, a, a property of what a believer is. It's, it's what we do. We have this innate desire to please God our Father. Just like most children like to make their parents happy, some of them. It's, he's going back over what he said in chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. Now, now by this we know him, if we keep his commandments. He says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he has walked. So, like I was saying, he's reiterating what he already said, but he adds something here. He's getting more detailed. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit. The Spirit, he's added the Spirit to this. And by this we know that the Spirit is given John also mentions this in, in his gospel in verse 15 to 17. You want to turn there with me. John 14, 15 to 17. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father will give you a helper and you may abide in you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells 
with you and will be in you. And we receive the Spirit, right? This is the gift of God. It was the same Spirit that Christ said, it's more expedient that I go away because the Helper's coming. You're getting this Helper when I leave. Romans 8, 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. We have the same Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in all believers. The same Spirit that inspired this Word that raised Christ from the dead is conforming us continually to the image of Christ. We're being led by the Spirit. Result, the desire to keep the commandments. So we get enough water. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, so that they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Matthew 24, verse 5 tells us that many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ. Deceiving men. In John MacArthur's commentary, try to use analogies, you know, to, to try to try to point home that I read this in his commentary, so I thought I'd just share it with you. The word Eureka, simple Greek word meaning, I have found it. Came a Life slogan for thousands of California gold prospectors in the mid-1800s. It summed up every treasure hunter's dream and expressed the thrill of striking pay dirt. For James Marshall, the first to discover precious metal in 1848, and the 49ers who followed, the term Eureka meant instant riches, early retirement, a life of carefree ease. But would-be prospectors quickly learned that not everything that appeared to be gold actually was. Riverbeds of rock quarry and rock quarries would be filled full of golden specks that were nevertheless entirely worthless. Fool's gold. With iron pyrite, I think that's how you pronounce it. And miners had to be careful to distinguish it from the real thing. Because their very livelihood depended on it. You don't want to be mining a bunch of garbage, right? They would usually distinguish it of simply looking at it. But in some cases, the distinction was not quite so clear. They had developed tests to discern what was genuine from what was not. One test was involving biting the rock in question. Real gold is softer than the human tooth, whereas fool's gold is harder. A second test involved scraping the rock on a piece of white stone, such as ceramic, the gold leaf of trace streak, whereas the residue left by fool's gold is a greenish black. In either case, the miner relied on tests to authenticate his finds. Both his fortune and his future depended on the result. Spiritually speaking, Christians often find themselves in a similar position to the California gold rushers of the mid-1800s. They were confronted with various doctrines and religious teachings, all of which claim to be true. Believers must be able to tell those that are biblically sound and which are not. As was true in the gold rush, just because something glitters doesn't mean it's gold. Christians need to equally, be equally wary of spiritual fool's gold. 
They must not accept something as true without first testing it, see if it meets the God, God's approval. If it fails a test, Christians should discard it as false and warn others also. But it passes, if it passes the test, keeping with the truth of God's word, believers can embrace it and endorse it wholeheartedly. California gold prospectors would try Eureka only when they found true gold. When it comes to spiritual things, Christians would be careful to do the same. So, we know, if you were here Wednesday, about false prophets and <clears throat> all the prosperity gospel and whatnot, the fool's gold. I remember watching, I used to get up and watch some of those uh, TV ministers on uh, Sunday mornings, and I always remember you got to sow that seed of faith, and you know that, and you're going to be God's going to bless you, and if you make me rich, God's going to bless you. I think my granddad actually sent some money to one of them, and uh, but he did it for a reason. He he donated to them and said, "Hey, you know we're." I don't, I don't know if their church was in need or what, but he asked them for some help just to see, you know, like a, if they would do anything, and they did. Like, oh, we're we're financially bound to other. Like, no, you're rich. And you 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 made it on the back of sellable people. So, all these false prophets today are are rampant. They're, they're promising something that just is so far out. And, and they're they're saying they're acting like they're elevating themselves to such a level like you can be like me if you do X Y and Z and I think it was Todd White is it the guy with the dreads weird I'm ashamed you even know that so it was a test <laughs> so I'm just kidding so so Todd White's talking about um, somebody asked him said what do you see when you when you consider the sacrifice of Christ. And I about hit the floor when he answered it. He said, I'm paraphrasing, um, the Lord don't strike me down for repeating this, but he says, I see my value to God in the sacrifice of Christ. He said, I was paid for by the precious blood of Christ, so I must be really something for God to purchase me with the blood of his son. Do you get it? That is some blasphemous, awful, heretical, as if his haircut wasn't bad enough. It goes there. If you see the sacrifice of Christ and you think you're worth something, as if Christ looked down the corridor of time, it's like, I got somebody. I don't want him on my team. He may be a good addition. No. No. Beloved, you are someone in Christ. You are no one in yourself. Paul says, if I boast in anything, if you boast in anything, let it be you boast in Christ. That's not uncommon like Josh was talking about. Horace Meyer, Wednesday, Jesus went to hell and got beat up by some demons. What's that in Scripture? They stomped Him. They stomped my Jesus. He was so weak. No. 
He's the God of creation. He created the demons that you're saying are stomping on him. Like we were saying, it's like no other time in the scriptures did demons come in contact in within any part within a mile of Christ and they weren't terrified. Even James says the believe the demons believe and they and they tremble. They're scared of Christ. You snap its fingers, no more demons. Bye bye. You got this idea of this weak Jesus, this weak Christ. The one that took the sin of the world and the, the wrath of God that is prepared for people for all eternity within a few hours, that total wrath of God survived it and then said it is finished. <laughs> he wasn't beat up by no demons. He was English. <laughs> he was not trampled on by demons. The God of glory from all eternity. No Joyce Meyer heresy. Verses 2 and 3 by this. You know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. I haven't brought it up lately, but you remember this epistle that was, John was dealing with Gnosticism. Gnostics believed that everything that was material was inherently evil, so there was no way that Christ could have been flesh, flesh and blood. So that this was a common teaching then. So he's dealing with these Joyce Myers of the day. In in writing this epistle, this is really an example of evil. You really got down to it. It's not any different than what we see today. It does not agree with Scripture. Evil. If it agrees with Scripture. Truth. Good. In Galatians one, six through ten. The Apostle Paul dealing with some of the same heresies. I marvel that you were turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and I will say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Anathema. Paul really drives it home. There's no other gospel. There's no other truth. This is it. If I or an angel from heaven, knowing that him or an angel from heaven would not preach a different gospel 
he's driving that point home saying, no, no, don't even, don't even go there. You know that I'm not going to preach another gospel. You know an angel from heaven's not going to preach another gospel. It's not going to happen. It's, it's crazy because we've been going back to, to, to the fall Josh did last week. I went back to the fall many times going through this epistle. But it all started there in Genesis 3.15. The strategy employed to place doubt. Doubted God's Word. Did God really say that? He distorted God's Word. He said, I think He really meant this. You should eat that. Yes. Huh? Led to what? Deceit. <laughs> she bought it. Right there. No different today. Same message employed today. Doubt. Those Myers doubted. <laughs> The scriptures, if she's ever read it, I don't know. Some of it, I guess. Distorted. Jesus went to hell and got beat up. Deceit. Some people bought it. They get mad. These false, these false teachers, they'll get mad if you, if you confront them with scripture. And even if you're trying to, to lead them to the truth, like, well, have you considered? Have you thought about this? No. My own brother got upset because the, <laughs> our Reformed uh, heritage here, our Calvinism, he's quoting John 3.16 to me, whosoever, whosoever. You read the rest of John. I don't need to. But maybe you should. It's like the same guy that wrote about a lot of different things that make a lot of sense when you put it all together. I don't need to. I read John 3.16. Okay. Then why are we arguing? <laughs> You've got it figured out. I do. All right. <laughs> Let's move along then, you know. I'm obviously not going to convince you otherwise. This is, you know, you got to walk away. Cast, cast your pearls before swine. If you don't want to hear it, Let's move along. Oh, wait, I forgot my third favorite book of the Bible. James. James is good. James 3, 13 to 17. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This is wisdom that does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. True wisdom is characterized here. Good conduct, meekness, 
without partiality, without hypocrisy. Earthly wisdom is earthly, sensual, demonic. Earthly, fleshly, sensual, demonic. Comes from below. The spirit of Antichrist. It is against Christ or Antichrist. I'm not going to get into the whole Antichrist thing again. We've been over that. Antichrist is here. Has been here. Since the fall. Christ is the epitome of truth. All truth. All knowing. Omniscience. Omniscience. Christ is truth. Verse 4, you are God, little children. You have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit of adoption, that we may cry out of Father. We overcome them by, by the blood of Christ. The Spirit of God is greater than the Spirit of Satan, the deceiver. In John 16, uh, the 11, the promise of the Holy Spirit. But now I go away to the end who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin because they did not believe in me. Righteousness, righteousness because I've said to my Father and you see me no more. Judgment because the ruler of this world is dead. Christ is leaving, but promises the help of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of adoption, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God. Romans 8. I get excited before Romans 9. Thirty-one to thirty-nine. This is very familiar. It should be. It's not familiar. You're really missing out. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not be with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, has also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than conquerors. said it a hundred times. We've already won. When people that I come in contact with, they have like a, a life-threatening disease. Remember Kat and Odie, when they were here, first thing I said to Kat, I said, you've already won. You just got to finish the race. The race isn't over yet. That's what you can say to a believer. You've already won. <laughs> it's already it's done. It's as good as finished. Nothing can separate us. The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You could meditate on that. And get through anything. And Shane, I went to see him. I only got to see him one time before we lost him. I saw him and he said, we're celebrating the day. He's spending time with people he loves. Hanging out on his back porch. Celebrating the day. He'd already won. Grace was almost through. We were talking about race and go karts. I like it. It's fun, but they have two different styles. You've got one that has a roll cage, which I like because I don't get killed. Or worse, main. I tell people I don't really mind getting killed, just getting hurt. <laughs> just go ahead and kill me. I'll be okay. We were talking about that yesterday. Like, well, if I flip, I'm a, you know should be all right. If I flip in one of them, I saw a girl flip one yesterday, and I was like, that ain't that's not that don't look like fun at all to me. She landed on top of her and messed her up pretty good. The dying doesn't scare me. Getting maimed or or not being able to provide for my family or any number of things that scares me. But God's bigger than that. He's in me is greater than all my problems that may come. We've already won. We're more than conquered. Verse 5. They are of the world. They speak as of the world. And the world hears them. John said the same thing in his gospel, John 3.31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. John 15. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
the world hates children of God. If you, you never speak of the things of God, you get along just fine with almost anybody. Once you start talking about things in the Scriptures, you find out real fast who wants to be around you and who don't. Those that are of God will want to hear the Scriptures. They will resonate with that truth with you. John 17, 14, we're not of this world. We're in this world. We're commanded to be in the world. All the distortions and the false gospels, the false religions, and all that is the seed of Satan. They love their father, the devil, and his works they will do. A lot of them, isn't it? People have asked me, how do you how do you know that Christianity is the is the true religion, you can sum that so simply. Every other religion that claims to be of God works their way toward God. They're trying to achieve God, a God, not the true God, because they obviously don't have the right God. Christianity is the God of all creation, the God of heaven. Earth. Came down and redeemed sinful man. Sinful man could do nothing in it of itself. In it. That's how you can tell the difference. Verse 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's no in between, right? either real or it's fake. It's like gold. Nice and shiny, but not the real deal. Spend half your life mining full of gold or figure out what's right. It's true. Those who are of God will hear and understand the truth. We have the Spirit that inspired the truth that resides within us that will agree with that truth. It will be known to all believers. It's funny, I, I meet someone, I had a guy call me on the phone, he's like, want me to work on his car? He's like, I heard you're Reformed Baptist. <laughs> okay. That's cool, yeah. And we talked for a good while on the phone, you know, and he said, there ain't many around here. I don't, I don't think so, you know. I was like, we're so... Reformed Baptists were almost Presbyterian. We just don't dunk babies, you know. And, you know, we laugh. And I told him to swing by and hang out. The spirit of truth resonated within us. He said, I'll swing by one day and we'll talk doctrine. I said, whoa, I don't get into doctrine. We have the Spirit of Truth dwelling in us. The same Spirit, the Spirit of adoption that we made to cry out, Abba, Father. And when you engage in study, 
which is what we all should be doing to some extent, that same Spirit will, when you're washing yourself in the Word, and Christ was praying to the Father, He said, sanctify them with your Word. Your Word is true. So that same Word that we're to be absorbing and feasting on, this bread of life, that same Word, when we read it, is spiritual nourishment. And when something comes against things of God, it's natural. You will immediately, when someone comes beating on your door from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you'll immediately know that something's amiss. Whether you know there anything about their doctrine or not, when they start talking, the Spirit of God's going to bring these things to your remembrance. The Spirit of God's going to convict you things. There's something not quite right here. This is how we can discern truth and error. They're of God. They're of the world. Just like in the previous chapter, I don't think there's any greater truth in the Scriptures. And John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we may be called children of God. And He gave His Spirit to you to lead you home, to sanctify you, to make you more like Christ. And one day you will be completely conformed to the image of Christ. Perfect. Blameless. Completely sanctified. No more sorrow. No more guilt. No more pain. The salvation that you may know God fully when you pass on is the greatest blessing that anyone can know. So, beloved, I say glorify Him here today and for the rest of your days here on earth. Test the spirits and know the difference between truth and error. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you once again. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for a place that we may freely come and worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you and praise your holy name, all God's children.